0: The following episode contains material of a graphic nature and coarse language. Listener discretion is advised. A Maryland woman is taking inspiration from an Oscar-winning movie to try to solve the decades-old murder mystery of her twin sister. 23-year-old college student Jody LaCornu was shot outside Baltimore in 1996. Now her sister hopes billboard ads will help find the killer. Errol Barnett is at one of the billboards in Baltimore. Errol, good morning.
1: Good morning. Look, the busy road behind me is the point. You can see one of three billboards Jenny Carreri has put up all over town, trying to grab people's attention. Now, she admits that she's lost time with her husband and children because she's been so consumed with her twin's case, and now she's willing to put up her inheritance to pay for a possible breakthrough.
0: of these four murders over a 10-day period is one of the worst killing sprees in the history of this state.
2: Skin them sometimes, uh, slit them, slit them all the way open. uh.
1: I'm here looking for the spirits of anybody that still remains. I have a device in my hand. If you would like to talk to it, please come forward. Tell
2: me your story. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. Then I felt like I really offered society something.
1: You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Let's talk about our sponsor, Podcorn. When we decided to search out sponsorships for our growing podcast, it was easier said than done. Lucky for us, we came across Podcorn, and suddenly the search for sponsors became more realistic and manageable.
0: Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for your brands.
1: The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. Podcorn helped us take our podcast to the next level, and it can help your podcast as well. Click the link in my show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Serial Spirits, the podcast. It is me, your host, Brendan Shea, and joining me as always are the beautiful and lovely
0: Annie Weaves and Rory May. How are you today, Daddy?
1: I'm doing fantastic. You guys are going to hear an extra noise in there, a little suckling noise. (laughs) Rory is actually strapped to Annie's chest, and I'm going to post a picture on our Twitter She's of,
0: suckling her pacifier, not my teat, mind you. Yeah, she's
1: she's got her pacifier in her mouth, and I'm actually taking a picture right now of <laughs> Rory strapped to Annie's chest as we record because that's what we have to do now because she won't sit in her swing by herself and be content. She wants to be close to her mommy and daddy. So here we are. We're back for another week, and we're going to go ahead and release this full episode. Another interview that Annie did with a... Well, I'm just going to let you get into it a little bit and just tell us what we're getting into today, Annie.
0: Tonight's episode is an interview with Jenny Carreri. Jenny's sister was murdered in Baltimore in 1996, still an unsolved murder. And Jenny has really gone to bat for her sister trying to figure out what happened. It's just an insane case. Jenny has been on numerous nationally televised shows And so the interview that we are doing tonight, you're going to hear Jenny tell her sister's story, and it's incredible.
1: And it's pretty amazing. You know, I'm one of 12 kids, and I couldn't imagine something happening to one of my siblings. I would go to bat for them. You know, we used to defend each other when we were kids, when people were picking on us, and I'm so amazed at this story because of the lengths she's gone, the, the stuff that she's done to go and try to solve her sister's case. And this is an incredible interview.
0: On a snowy night in 1996 in Baltimore, 23-year-old Jody Lacornu was brutally gunned down in a quiet parking lot. Witnesses came forward with information about the horrendous crime, but nearly 24 years later, the family is still waiting for answers. Two decades of fighting local authorities has provided little information, but one woman refuses to let this crime be forgotten. Jody's twin sister, Jenny Carreri, has spearheaded a nationwide fight for her sister, appearing on Dr. Oz, Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, and Relentless with Kate Snow to find her sister's killer and the truth behind this crime. Jenny, thank you so much for being on the show with us tonight.
2: Oh, thank you. I'm very grateful for you guys reaching out to me.
0: No, absolutely. I'm really happy
2: to be on the show.
0: No, absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on. Jenny, this is the type of crime that we seem to be hearing more and more about lately. And maybe it's just because of the abilities to spread news through social media. But we're talking about an unsolved murder with witnesses and without the cooperation of the authorities involved. And it just seems like so many of these cases when they go cold are just being pushed to the side and forgotten, but, but you're determined not to let that happen with your sister's
2: case. Correct. And I wouldn't say that Jody's case went cold. I'd more say that there, they didn't properly investigate her case. I mean, with all the work that I've been doing over the years, I've found out many things that have not been uh, done in her case. People that I've found... I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I wasn't involved in the investigation early on just because I was so distraught. My father prosecuted drug and violent crime. He was the one that was talking to the police. I mean, I was for years, I couldn't even be in, I couldn't be alone in a room by myself. I mean, I was just devastated. And so, um, you know, my father ended up getting sick with cancer. So that ended up you know, we were taking care of him for a couple of years with his treatments and chemo. And, and it was after that he died, which was just another horrible, horrible time that I really uh, just got involved with her case. And just, you know, and the other thing is we thought, you think, it, you know, the police do their job and th- that's it. You know, the police are investigating her case. But it was the more right. that I dove into it and, and would see... How they told me that they interviewed people that I went to find these people and they hadn't been interviewed. Wow. People that should have been interviewed. You know, I've, I had a, a person that she was talking to in the bar that night. He was he was a cameraman for one of the local news stations. I mean, it was a small local local bar where they'd have media night. <clears throat> everybody kind of knew everybody. The bartenders. I mean, Jody knew the the, the bartenders. So you know, I have this this cameraman that comes up to me and says, I talked to your sister for 20 minutes in the bar. And I said, well, did they interview you? And he said, no, I mean, not that he had anything to offer, but it just shows that they, you would have think they would have found out who she was talking to. They just didn't do a thorough job. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of instances where I've seen this, things that they've missed.
0: So, before we really talk about the details of your sister's murder, I, I want to talk about Jody herself. Tell everybody who Jody was, what she was like. You guys are identical twins. What was your relationship like as twins? We were
2: i I, I liken us to one per we were one, you know, a unit and right. Um I mean she just she was my my older sister, two minutes apart, but my best friend we were always together I mean that was my world she 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 and I, and um you know we always had the same room, same classes, same friends, and just i mean she had a heart of gold, she was very outgoing. Very. I mean, I was definitely the shy one. They referred to me as Jenny the wimp. <laughs> yeah, I was the wimp, and because I was just very not. I mean, she. They called her. You know, as we got older, the life of the party. She just was more vivacious, and um, you know, and I felt stronger. You know, more confident. You know, she made me feel more confident. And, right. Um, I mean, she would give you the shirt off her back. I mean, she definitely struggled as we both did when we were growing up. Had her demons and. Um, but you know, just a, just a beautiful person.
0: So let's go back to March 1st and 2nd, 1996. Retrace Jody's steps for us leading up to her murder.
2: So, so, okay. So the night, so March 1st, she and her boyfriend had gotten into a fight that morning and he was upset with her because she had gone to that Mount Washington Tavern the night before. Thursday night, and he just dis- he did not like her being there, and so he told her they lived in Baltimore. He told her not to come home that night. I'm I apologize. That weekend, he said go go to your parents, which was mm-hmm. a first. Like that had never happened before. Okay, and so she went to work. She was a student. Most of her job, she was working and and going to school, and she was about to finish Towson State Towson University. She was working at Eastern Savings Bank. I believe she'd been there about six months. And so she went to work and then ended up going to the bar, the Mount Washington Tavern again that night with a couple of her friends and spent the whole evening there. And the whole night was just very out of character for her because she would not, she wouldn't have just gone aimlessly into the night. I mean, she was terrified of everything. She was afraid. She used to tell us she was afraid she was gonna get shot in Baltimore. So for her to go, out without a plan that night was just not her so she left that she was asked to drive the the janitor he was the janitor of the bar home which not that she wouldn't do anything for anybody but it's just very odd for her to do that just to drive in late at night i think she would have been afraid to do that and it was snowing she was afraid to drive in the snow And she goes and sits in this dark parking lot on York road, which is about two minutes from her house. And after, well, actually she dropped the employee off, his name was Dano, and then she went to pick up a six pack of beer, which leads some, some makes us think maybe she was going to meet somebody. So she goes in this, sits in this parking lot, it's called the Drumcastle Government Center, used to be the Caldor, Caldor department store. And sits there and witnesses see an African-American in a white BMW approach her vehicle. And so they say her window was down and that there was some sort of conversation, which is just, I think any woman would not talk to a strange person sitting, you know what I mean, in the dark part of lot. Especially her, you know, who was afraid of everything. Um, I mean, she was afraid of her closet. So. Yeah. And so what happened was it, uh, she, so she had a, uh, this, I don't know if you know, these bag phones, like back in the nineties, my parents had a phone for her in her car. Right. They wanted her felt more safe with her having that in her car. And it was so like the she, original
0: cell phone for, yeah. for the
2: youngsters listening. What did we do before phones? Right. Um, so she ended up making a, a couple phone calls in the middle of the night. She called back to the bar and called her friend and ended up talking to her friend's boyfriend, which they had a two and a half minute conversation. So, you know, so those people know where she is, which is something to think about, you nice. know, the people that she called at the bar and the friend's boyfriend. And so... Yeah, I don't know why she didn't talk to the friend, but talked to the boyfriend, who was African-American. Uh, what happened was, oh, so so the suspect approached her vehicle. They say there was a conversation, and she was shot from behind. Went through the back of, back of the car into her seat, and the bullet severed her spines. There's a total, what I'm told, of six witnesses that night. And um, there's a gas station kind of parallel to where she was that was 24 hour gas station. And then across York road, the five lanes, there's a Boston market. There's a big shopping center. There's a grocery store, the giant and apparently a 24 hour giant. Um, so she's shot, but she, they say her spine was severed, but she was able to get out of this parking lot. was mm-hmm. her way out of it. Cause it wasn't a straight shot. And she was able to drive across. I think it's five lanes four or wow. five lanes across this and goes into this other shopping center directly across. And he follows her. And she's circling the lot, does this big loop, and he just stays at the entrance and watches her. And then she stops, and I believe she had a curb, and that's when she died. And so he ends up slowly like coming up to her with, you know, people or with these—I don't know where these people were placed. I know two of the witnesses were at the Boston Market. Uh, they were on a—they uh, were truck drivers and they were bringing chicken to the market. So he. Apparently reaches in her car and turns off her headlights and puts her car in park and takes things out of her car. And then he slowly gets back in her car and drives away, drives out of the parking lot and makes a right on York Road. Not in a hurry.
0: So much of this does not make sense. Your sister was 23 years old. You said she's afraid of everything. I don't even know her. And that seems so out of character for a 23-year-old woman. So let's go back to you start looking at suspects immediately she and her boyfriend had had a fight did you know did you know her boyfriend well was he questioned by police do you know what they argued about that day that was so bad that he told her not to come
2: home do i know what the the fight was about yes um so he he didn't like that she was in the mount washington tavern they both had a drinking problem and she had put together times of sobriety. And I don't know what, at what point she had started drinking again, but I mean, he had the same problem. And that was what I was, my understanding is that he did not want her being in that bar.
0: Did you know him well? Or, I mean, was he uh, someone you spent time with that the family yeah, trusted?
2: Yeah, I mean, somewhat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we would, you know, he was a lot older than her. He was 14 years older than her.
0: So I'm sure that he was questioned by police. Was he completely cleared of any involvement?
2: Yeah, he was questioned early on. Correct. Yes.
0: And no, they didn't think that there was any way that he was involved in it in any form?
2: Uh, No. No.
0: So she's at the bar that evening. You said she went there originally with a couple of friends, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so she leaves without the friends, but she leaves with this man who works there. Correct. What type of person was he?
2: You know, he had some, some. he was mentally challenged, like he didn't speak well, I'm not really sure what was going on with him, but he worked like sweeping the floors and doing stuff in the bar.
0: It makes me question why she would have called the bar back. Do you think it could have been about him or did anybody, whoever she spoke with at the bar, did they say what their conversation was about when she called back?
2: So I've heard different things. There was also... A lot of talk about, and I knew this, I knew that Jody liked the owner of the bar and that was one of the reasons why she wanted to go in there. And mm-hmm. I don't know whether her boyfriend knew that or not, that part of it. Right. Um, so I don't know if she was calling back to talk to him. Uh that I've heard she was calling back looking for a party that's that actually I think I might have heard that she was calling back looking for him looking for a party looking for him um I've heard different theories that she was looking for drugs I mean she and I had gotten into some problems when we were younger but she didn't do drug. I mean I'm not uh, well I'm I I'm not ashamed to admit it like when we were younger we struggled and but you know uh, alcohol was her drug of choice. And she, right. you know, we had both been in treatment and she, she ended up, you know, really struggling with that and with the alcohol. So there was no drugs in her system. Do I rule anything out? No. Um, would she go to a dark parking lot and let meet a strange person and get drugs? No. Um, right. you know, I'm told she could have gotten drugs in the bar. Um, so, so I don't think that she was calling, looking for drugs. So I, it, it's hard to say, I, I did hear, which I didn't know that one of the managers that worked there, and I believe she talked to him that night. Cause I think she talked to a couple of people there that later on he committed suicide. I don't know oh, if it's, wow. you know, I mean, it was just a weird thing to hear. Right. You know what I mean?
0: Right. So this, uh, the janitor from the bar that she drove home, I'm sure he was questioned. As well, did he have any input into any of what happened after they left the bar?
2: Um, I don't know. See, the police don't tell me everything, and we're not able to see any records. So, I mean, we can't even see the original public police report. So, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, they're they're kind of it's it's kind of what they want to tell us. Does that make sense?
0: It does, and that's something I I definitely want to dive into um, in just a bit. So so she drops off this employee, apparently, and she goes to this parking lot. Is this an area that she would have known well, I guess?
2: Yeah, I mean, she lived right there. I mean, her school was right up the road. So, I mean, yeah, she knew all of it very well. I mean, she just kind of stayed all in that area.
0: What they've gathered was she stopped and got the six-pack of beer. She drives to this parking lot and parks and nobody sees anybody else approach until the African-American man in the BMW, correct? Correct. Was this, and there were multiple witnesses, from the description of the person or the vehicle, did it sound like this was anybody that you guys could have known?
2: No, 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 nobody that we knew.
0: The other phone call that she made, you said, was to a friend's house, but she talked to the friend's boyfriend. Did he ever reveal what they talked about in that conversation?
2: The friend's boyfriend? Yes. I never, I never talked to the friend's boyfriend. I mean, this girl was somebody Jody waitressed with and she, uh, at some point didn't have, um, a place to live. And Jody moved her in with her. And, and then, uh, then she moved in with her boyfriend who was a cook at a restaurant. And so I never, talked with him I'm I'm he and his girlfriend came to the funeral but I don't remember I mean there were so many like I I don't know but it was just always struck me as odd this person knew where she was and the police told me early on they ruled him out of anything no or anything because he didn't drive and for years like like every not just specifically him but everybody else I'm like you need to because I would find out things about people I'm like you need to talk to this person again and I finally got them to go talk to this boyfriend twenty three years later last year. And it turns out he had his friend with him when he was talking to Jody. So they find that out twenty three years later. Wow, yeah. I mean, it's just stuff like that. Does that make sense?
0: it It does. I mean, it it's <clears throat> it's just unbelievable that you guys have been so stonewalled that you've not been able to get the information that really you need to piece all of this together. So Jody's in this parking lot. It's in the middle of the night. It's snowing. She's approached by this person, and people are watching this as it plays out. Did they say how long she talked with this man who approached her? Did it seem friendly, like she knew who he was, or was it an immediate, he came up to the window and she automatically got scared and started to drive
2: away. Well, there was definitely a conversation that's, but, the, but I don't know that anybody was close enough to tell whether it was friendly or, you know, but she definitely wouldn't have talked to somebody that she didn't know in the middle of the night. I mean, she would right. have been scared in the day, you know, All Right. But, I mean, my mom was talking about a story about how, um, what was it? The, like just before, she, like a week before she died, my mom was with her and they were in like, I think it was a 7-Eleven, and and Jody got, like, saw some guy and got really afraid and wouldn't get out of the car or something. Like, she had this episode before, like, and I don't know if that had anything to do with anything. I don't know, but it's something my mother never forgot. That's
0: interesting that she would have been so afraid that she wouldn't get out of the car. You know, it it makes you wonder where there are other pieces that should have been put together. Right. Yeah, yeah. So they had this... Yeah, they have this conversation and Jody is actually shot as she is driving away, correct? Correct. Yes. So he's shot through, I guess, the back of the car as she's yes. driving out of the parking lot. Yes. That is just that's unbelievable. I so, mean a lot
2: of people say it sounds like a hit. Like right. somebody Yeah. I don't know if that was your theory. I know you had a theory, but, um, that, you know, that's like another theory and I don't know. I mean, I I don't know, you know, I, I, part of me feels like there's, well, a lot of me feels like there's answers at that bar. There's, there's things maybe at that bar. Um, you know, I mean, one of the things that they looked at early on and that's probably low on my list is, you know, that my dad was a prosecutor, maybe somebody that he had prosecuted, um, that, you know, they had looked at that. Um, I mean, the other thing is her, um, her, her boyfriend, you know, his dad, his dad was a bookie. I I mean, I don't know if there was something going on there. I, you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, there's just Mm -hmm. so many facets, I guess that's the right word. So many
0: open possibilities that it seems like a lot of them were just never, never really examined the way that they should have been.
2: I mean, yeah, so I would never say her case went cold. I just feel, you know, they told me years ago that her case was sitting in a closet and that's when I decided to file, I, you know, I'd met some people had put me in touch with a lawyer in Baltimore and cause I thought, you know what, we're going to get a private investigator and they're like, well, we need to get the records. So we filed the Maryland public information act and that's when, you know, they denied everything. And then when they said, well, let's file suit, but it just got out of hand with the money. And they were just I mean, like the first when we first filed suit, they sent like a ninety page whatever those legal terms are, response back. Ninety right. pages. I mean, it just um, you know, and, and the same detective's been on the, the, the case since day one and it's just it's just frustrating. Um I apologize. I don't know if I told you this because I've talked to other people like a lot in the last couple of days, um, <clears throat> but I've had three other families that have reached out to me over the years that have had the same issues with Baltimore County. I mean, really? the treatment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. the tra- I mean, just the way, I mean, I, I, honestly, I feel like I'm the criminal sometimes, you know, and and, right. and I know that I'm very disliked there, but, you know, the bottom line, because people, you know, I've had people make comments like, you know, you kind of, you don't want them on your bad side. And I I don't, but you know, I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm emotional, but what else can I do? I mean, her, her case was sitting in the closet before. So at least I'm getting it like attention, you know? And and so, and, and I do, I get a little crazy on social media, but that's because I'm, I mean, it has been pure hell. I mean, it has my, my husband and I are in marriage counseling. Like, I mean, it's because it's caused you know, a really bad time in my marriage. I, I, I feel like my, you know, I, my kids have suffered, you know, but it's, but I, I feel that I I need to, to find her killer, you know? And it's like, I, I, I'm trying to, to have, you know, I get consumed by it. You know, I've had, I had somebody today ask me if, if, if I'm obsessed, I mean, maybe, but Right. You know, I would do that for any of my family members, you know, I, I want to find out what happened and, and it's just wrong the way that they've handled it and the way that they've treated me. I mean, everybody from the state's attorney to, um, uh, you know, their, their lawyers, I had one of their lawyers slam the door in my face, like scream at me, like, cause I'm trying to like, un- like during the lawsuit, I was asking some questions, like trying to understand something like, there's definitely, it's like and even talking to these other families, it's like, they don't care. Like, why are you even a police officer? Right. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand it. And yeah, I mean, I hate that the, that I feel that the relationship's not good, but it's not like, I mean, I sat there a couple of years ago with the detective and his boss and boss's boss, like before the lawsuit and, and talking about one of the suspects. And I said, you know, because for years, like I'd say, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? Oh, I mean, it'd be years go by that they're like, yeah, we're going to look into that. Like they're, and then they're late. I'm like laziness too, you know? Right. And I said, when are you going to go talk to this person? And he, you know, he sits there slapping his gum in my face and says, well, there's a great um, crab cake and chicken restaurant down where he is. Yeah. I, w- I want to try it. So, yeah. I mean, Stop that's it. how they, yeah.
0: I'll buy you a box and, of donuts for the road, right, buddy. Right, Why don't you right, get on that right. one?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then you know he's the detective that um, you know has like the way he would talk to me like with messages. I'd ask him questions about the owner of the bar. I'd say you know what's going on. Um, Do you think something was going on with Jody and the bartender or the owner? And he'd say, "Well, he'd have you both," you know. And I mean, just like the he was like very inappropriately talking to me.
0: And it makes you so angry because you know okay if this were my brother i would do the exact same thing that you are doing and it's terrible that you have to take to social media you have become the only voice that jody yeah. has left and you and your family were victims of this as well and it's almost like the police involvement when you when they treat you like this they are victimizing you in a way and you see so much of that anymore i guess It's just, it's unbelievable to me that these cases literally are just put in a closet and you just walk away from them.
2: Yeah. I mean, and it's not like, I mean, and I don't, I don't expect her case to get extra special attention. I just expect her case to be worked properly. You know, all all leads exhausted. I mean, do everything that should be done on her case. I mean, I really feel like the Boy Scouts could have solved her case. Seriously, in the beginning. I mean... It's crazy. I mean, not only do we have to live without Jody and 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 grieve and but we also have to fight for justice, you know, fight the the system. And it's just it's just wrong in so many ways. And I have I've seen it. it, You see it more and more now. I mean, there's no I don't I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I've gone to the governor's office. I've gone to the county executive's office and people look at me and they're like, yeah, we're going to help you. And nothing like nobody, you know, and it's the people all over the world that reach out to me. I mean, journalists, people that I do podcasts with, um, you know, letters that I get messages. I mean, people lift me up so much. I get so down and hopeless. Like, and sometimes I do, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I'm like, what am I doing? You know? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I get these messages. I, I got this, this. For this message from this girl in India, this young girl. And I was like really having a hard time because I struggle with my own personal demons and, and, you know, with what's going on in my life and then having to be beaten down and, and by the police. And, um, and she sent me this letter and just said how, what an inspiration I was to her. And, you know, it just, it was just like the most beautiful thing. Like it just, it was unbelievable. Like, so things like that, um, yeah, I mean it, it just keeps me sort of, oh, you know, being hopeful.
0: When they examined Jody's car, did they find anything else out of the ordinary? Had anything been taken from the car? Were they able to obtain any fingerprints if the person switched well, in the finger, car? They mm. did
2: get fingerprints and they didn't keep the car I think maybe 2 weeks and they gave it back to my parents with the fingerprinting kit in the car. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. They left, they, they left the fingerprinting in the car. And so, you know, my family had to give that back, but you know, it seems like they should have kept the car for longer. I mean, that's essentially the crime scene, right? Right. So, yeah, they had the fingerprints, but my parents didn't want to keep the car. It was just too upsetting for them, you know, so they gave it back to the dealership. And so, um, yeah, so they have, they do, they do have fingerprints. I don't know how often they run them. Um, You know, they, when I did the interview with NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt, like they did a reenactment of the crime scene and they believe that, that the, the suspect reached in and, and touched her body like touched her clothes. So there's this technology that's come out this MVAC where they can suck like DNA off the clothes because they have her clothes and it was offered for free by the president of the company to Baltimore with free lab testing. It can be done in like a week. And um, that to test the filters and they, they wouldn't do it. They said, it's going to be our last resort.
0: Well, it's been almost 24 years. Exactly. At what point do you yeah. say this is the last resort? Yeah, exactly. Come on. I it's mean, the, which
2: is ridiculous. It's like it, it's ridiculous.
0: they fumbled everything else. They literally gave you your sister's murderers fingerprints possibly and just that's just unbelievable to me did they think that anything was taken from the car any of her personal belongings like it could have been a robbery
2: um well yeah so they said that the um so her they said her phone they, they won't say what was taken but they say the phone and her purse was not there
0: anything that you would think of that could have been in her purse that somebody may have wanted or, I mean, no,
2: I mean, I, I, I can't.
0: She um, wasn't
2: wanting to carry like a ton of cash or anything. No, I mean, she, she wouldn't have had, I, she wouldn't have had that. I mean, she wouldn't have had um cash on her. I mean, I, I'm hesitant because they're, they're like, I feel like there was times when I come visit, but she was also um waitressing, like, that there would be cash in their house. And I just, right. I don't know. It always kind of like struck me as odd because her boyfriend was a teacher. Um, but I don't know if like just sometimes it seemed like it was, I was like, where does this cash come from?
0: Right. I don't know.
2: There was that, that was something that was a little odd to me, but I don't He's, think she, but she would have been driving around with it.
0: Right. And you said multiple witnesses came forward. They're in a very public place. Was there no video anywhere? Well, they
2: did uh, obtain some video, but where where she ended up in the giant parking lot, they said that the cameras were down that night. Um, that's always happened. You know, the cameras were down, but they... Um, they obtained some video from York Road and, and and the first lot she was in, but they said that that video was grainy and they couldn't enhance it from so where all the of, first... So
0: all of these people around and all this video and they're basically saying, no, nope, nothing's of, of any use.
2: Right, right.
0: It all seems so unbelievable. I mean... Doesn't it's, it?
2: It's... I mean, what do <laughs> you think?
0: It's, it sounds unbelievable. It, it just sounds, I, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in a lot of these conspiracy theories. And sometimes I think that these cases are pushed to the side because they know they were mishandled.
2: Right, right.
0: And if that comes to light, then somebody's going to lose their job. Somebody's going to look really bad. Exactly, and I think in a exactly. lot of these cases, that's what happens is yes. Let's try to save face right. and hope that these people just kind of disappear in their grief. That's right. a terrible thing to say, but I think that happens so often.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I know, I know. I mean, I have a... Um so i'm friends with two of the former so she died on the county city line and i'm friends with two of the former police chiefs in the city actually one reached wrote a letter when jody was i'm sorry what during the lawsuit wrote a letter to me the police chief and said he would he wanted to assist in jody's case and the baltimore county told him to butt out and he was the chief of police in baltimore city where they have like a zillion more murders than the county you know what i mean right. so right. Um, but the, even the former one prior to that, he came from New York and he started the cold, one of the cold case units up there in his department and he was solving cases. And he said he had officers that got angry with him because it made them look bad. Like, you know, they are solving these murder cases, but the officers are getting angry with him.
0: Was there anyone that the police named as a suspect that you could talk about
2: or was everything
0: so hush hush that it was never mentioned. So yeah, I
2: mean they've mentioned they've mentioned, you know, several people to me, but um I can't like I probably talk too much. I can't say too much. I right, can't. right. So, um I wish I could.
0: Did they feel like it was somebody that Jody was acquainted with or that it was totally well, random?
2: I I mean they're they're saying that they, you know, there's one person that they're, they're looking at, you know, another one kind of another second one too. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if I believe them. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know if, if they just tell me that. So I go away. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, completely. Yeah. Because we've, we talked to a lot of people who, are parts of cases like this cold cases or, you know, open cases. And it seems like this is a story that we hear a lot of that when the layperson goes to the police and they start a- asking questions, they're pushed to the side. They're made to feel like they're the criminal. You're not the only person to so ever you say hear th- this
2: a lot. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Right. Yeah. We had a guest on a couple of weeks ago who, um, had a run-in with Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh my gosh. And he fully believed that Jeffrey Dahmer had murdered Adam Walsh. And his his story was it rings so similar to what you're telling me. He went to the police for years and years and years to be pushed to the side to make made him feel like he was the criminal for bringing them evidence, for bringing them witnesses. And so I think, unfortunately, it happens more than most people realize. Yeah. Jeez.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know.
0: I think I read somewhere that your family actually had to file a lawsuit to even obtain Jody's autopsy report.
2: So that was part of the, um, so they wouldn't, you know, cause they wouldn't give us the autopsy or the original police report. And, um, what happened was, um, I w I, I would request it and they would send my check back and they'd say, um, you know, you can't have it. And I call and they say, the state's attorney doesn't want you to have it. And, um, so, um, what happened was um, I, did a, did, I did a billboard to the state's attorney about release my records. And, and all of a sudden, they decided they were going to release the autopsy. They said it would have been detrimental and inappropriate for my family to, to see the autopsy, even though it was public record.
0: I don't understand how they thought that would be detrimental when you're her I know, family. I know. That's
2: I know. just
0: It seems so absurd, even if you had known her cause of death years ago, how would that have affected their investigation?
2: Yeah. And even then, so I'm like, I wonder if they even changed it before they sent it to, you know what I mean?
0: Right. Have you ever had the opportunity to work with anyone within the system, whether it's law enforcement, medical examiner, anybody who has just been really open and honest and seemed as if they wanted To help solve your
2: sister's case? Not with the Baltimore police. I've had reporters. (laughs) I have lots of reporter friends that know every single... I share every single thing with them because I trust them.
0: Right. And so none of them have had any luck anywhere else. No new leads in the past, gosh, almost 24 years now.
2: uh, I mean, I'm the one that finds stuff. And and I'll reach out to the, the detective's boss and be like did you know this? Like, you know, you need to look into this, you know, cause I'm doing my own, I'm reaching out to scary people. I mean, I'm putting myself in, I mean, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, you know what I mean? Right. I've met with people. I've gone places. I've, I've been, yeah, not good stuff. And, and, and my main concern is my, you know, I have children and that's what, you know, my husband gets very upset. Like when he finds out, I don't even tell him half the stuff I do.
0: Right. Right. It is frightening because it's you don't sad know who... that, I mean, family right. members
2: shouldn't have to solve their murder's case, their, their no. family member's case.
0: No, absolutely not. So you guys actually went to the lengths of putting up these billboards mm-hmm. around the Baltimore area, offering a $100,000 reward for any tip that led to answers in your sister's case. That's pretty extreme and pretty amazing that you guys step forward and did that. Yes,
2: we did. Got the idea from, um, from I did, from the three billboards outside, I mean, Missouri. I don't know if you saw that. Yes, the movie. Yeah, it was really good, really good. And um, I just loved it. And I love the idea of it.
0: Do you know if any tips have been submitted because of the
2: billboards? Well, I mean, that's the thing is, it's hard to say because I I don't know what's come into them, but I started my own tip line. So I've had some tips that have come in since then on my own tip line. So at least now I feel, I mean, ultimately, ultimately I need to go to the police but at least I feel like I have control. I mean, I've had some interesting information come in um, but you know I, I I've had several calls from people within the police department like I had a call with somebody that worked in the police department that wanted to try to get information for me like dive into the records like that, right. how 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 interesting is that and then I they would, a, re- oh sorry, go ahead yeah, and then I had a call from somebody that worked for the police department that saw the tips coming in early on like sold the tips and there was a tip that was not thorough like followed up on I mean a a huge thing how sad
0: is it that they have to reach out to you personally they don't even feel like they can go within their own department to give these tips because they realize that it's just going to fall on deaf ears
2: wait say that again how
0: how how sad it is that These people have to reach out to you with these tips that they can't even go within their own department, police department. They feel like all these claims are just going to fall on deaf ears.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, like all of it is just, and that's why I feel like, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm on this hamster wheel, like I'm running and running and running in circles. And then like, sometimes I feel like I'm getting nowhere, you know, does that make sense? Like it's. Absolutely.
0: Are there any other major points about jody's case that you want anyone to know
2: um i mean if people could um share you know i mean like i mean i guess just getting the word out there and um i don't know that's a good question i mean uh, any points that i want i mean just i think just sharing about that night different details like maybe somebody would know something um anything like, even if they think it's nothing, you know what I mean?
0: I always say in these cases, someone knows something.
2: Yes, definitely. Someone definitely. knows something.
0: They saw something that night that they're afraid to talk about, or they heard something through a friend. There's always someone out there who knows. If you could, if there's somebody out there listening to this podcast now that knows something about Jody's murder, that they've maybe been afraid to say all these years, what would you say to that person?
2: Um, You know, they can come, they can come anonymously. They can come forward. They can call me. They can reach out to me. Um, It's, um, you know, do the right thing, come forward, please. I mean, you know, like I said, they can, um, I mean, it's killing me and my family. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's just so hard living in this hell all the time and, and um like I said, do the right thing and um, like you don't like you don't have to give your name to give a tip or um, I mean, if they know something, I mean, I just beg people to call, urge people.
0: You set up a website, justice for jody just the number four, justice4jody.com. If anyone had any information, could they go there and leave an anonymous tip or if they wanted to read more about her case, can they find it there?
2: Yes, Definitely. And they can call, they can call, um, you know, yeah, they can definitely leave uh, on the the website. They can definitely leave a tip, reach out to me. And I'm happy to give my email address too.
0: At the end of this episode, we will list all of your links on there as oh, well.
2: Great. So if there's any
0: other way that you would like anyone to reach out to you, uh, you can send that to me and we will include that. Jenny Crary, you have done such an amazing thing in your oh, sister's honor. You. And... I wish there were more people who would step forward and fight the system like you have, because too many of these cases go unsolved like this. Yeah, yeah. And it
2: it's such a tragedy. It is. It is. I mean, it's, it's, and it's a hard fight. It's not an easy fight, you know, and, and I have to, you know, there's just times where I know, like I was talking to somebody today and, um, you know, I said it, occasionally people will say, about, it's kind of like being on their good side, but I was like, it, like, it just seems like whether you're on your good side or their good side or your bad side, it's, it's, um, I guess just, I, like, I just feel like I'm just trying to be in their face and like, you know, I'm, I'm not going away. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to keep, keep at you until you do what you're supposed to do your job. You know what I mean?
0: Exactly. Do you think your sister's murder will ever be solved?
2: Well, let's put it this way. I'm not going to give up trying to solve it. And right. me and my positive, hopeful, optimistic, yes. And, you know, I mean, there's times where I definitely start to get down and feel hopeless. And, um, but, but my heart is telling me yes. I mean, and, and I'll definitely keep up the fight for it.
0: Jenny Quary, thank you so much for talking with us. If you have any updates on your sister's case, we would always love to have you back.
2: Oh, definitely.
0: We would love to post any of your information. Uh, to any of our social media. And I really, really hope that you see resolve to your sister's murder. Oh, thank
2: you so much. I really appreciate that. I mean, it just means a lot that you guys reached out to me and and want to share her story.
0: No, absolutely. It's our pleasure to be able to do that for you guys. Well, thank you. And
2: let me know when I can listen.
1: So wow, just wow. When you can sit there and listen to this story and you hear all the amazing things that Jenny's doing to help solve her sister's case, it really opens up your eyes to the you know the links people will go that law enforcement won't. You know, sometimes law enforcement's hands are tied. There's only so much they can do. But because of love and what ties us you know together, family members, friends, you know, you see it all the time with people trying to do more try to look into stories more. I know, Annie, you had the opportunity to sit there and talk to her. I mean, what do you take away from this story?
0: Jenny's an incredible woman who has been her sister's um, sole source of... Her really, advocate. Yeah, she's her advocate. She is speaking for her from beyond the grave for 24 years now. And so, like we said during the podcast, if anyone out there has any information that they would like to share about the murder of Jody Lacornu... March 2nd, 1996 in Baltimore, Maryland. You can visit the website justice4jody. That's the number 4 j o d y.com. You can leave anonymous tips. If you would prefer to reach out to Jenny on social media, you will find her there. We urge anyone if you have any information, please come forward. This is such a solvable case. It just seems like everything went wrong from the beginning of the investigation. And that is really what has kept them from fighting Jody's killer.
1: So thanks to Jenny for coming on the show, telling her story, because it is an amazing story. And we will continue to give you updates on this case if they are to unfold Uh I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Serial Spirits, the podcast. Again, if you would like to become a Patreon and receive cool stuff, make sure you go to ParanormalWarehouse.com and sign up for the Patreon. Again, guys, thanks for tuning in to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Be aware and be safe. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Serial Spirits, the podcast. Find us weekly on all your podcasting platforms, Spotify, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you subscribe our theme song was written and produced by Annie Weibel for Serial Spirits the Podcast check us out on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Serial Spirits you can always find Serial Spirits on www.paranormalwarehouse.com check out all the amazing shows that Paranormal Warehouse has to offer also on Twitter at Serial Spirits Guys, be aware and be safe. We'll see you next time.